0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to Terminus, the Post-it Notes of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the Death Metal Guy, aka Symbol Insurance for Drummers with Bad Technique,
1: and I am Hyper Shaman, aka Clawhammer. <laughs> just, just Clawhammer, just the tool. Just Claw, the, yep, the tool. It's the coolest tool name. It, it does sound much
0: cooler than it actually is. Until you realize that the claw is only used for removing nails. You don't
1: get to do cool claw tricks or anything. No, no. I mean, I guess you could sharpen it and use that end as a weapon. I mean, you don't even have to sharpen it. It's. You know. <laughs> I was about to
0: say, I'm pretty sure if you hit someone
1: with the claw side, yeah. it's going to work it, perfectly. It, right. Yeah, it would go in.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: we're, we're a carpentry podcast now, actually. Yeah, exactly. We're going to start talking about Dovetail and uh, different kinds of jigs <laughs> yeah, it's good. it's gonna be a great time I do have a, a couple
0: pieces of furniture in my house that uh, I actually made in my carpentry days I have a very nice uh, nice coffee table in my reading nook that uh, I, I made when I was like 18 or something it's uh, been a long time I need access to a table saw so I can so I can become the Nick Mullen of terminus <laughs> you know?
1: yeah no unfortunately my the only uh, the only um, testament to my uh, any sort of skill with my hands I have is uh, warhammer miniatures <laughs> it's a different side of the same coin you know
0: you got the yeah, I mean it's Rough and tumble blue collar lifestyle versus intense autism and, and, and
1: commercialism, you know. And yeah, and Terminus is about fusing those opposites, <laughs>
0: the, the true, the true synthesis, the,
1: of... the autistic blue collar craftsman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: we need we need better nails in here, Jimmy. We just we need better nails. I can't work with these nails. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so, uh, the black metal guy is, uh, is off this episode. Uh, he is overseas. Uh, as I recall, he is placing a single white rose on the doorstep of every previous spite extreme wing member in Italy. So I hope, I hope he's <laughs> yeah. having a good time.
1: My you know, uh, last time I heard of him, heard from him, he was in, he had a layover in some third world country. Uh, uh I think, I think he, I think he said it was called the Netherlands.
0: Oh, man, I've heard about that. That was the one where uh, the uh, the Belgians had a colony and they were cutting off people's hands, right?
1: Yeah, horrific.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Truly terrible. Uh, so he is over there in- enjoying his time off. And uh, I did warn him what my old Polish grandmother always told me, which is that uh, the Italians are thieves. So hopefully he is uh, keeping all his personal belongings I close know, to she's him. She's right. Yes, she is, is right. Oh, oh God, God, rest your soul, Georgeanne. <laughs> oh my God, I, I have
1: a friend. uh His girlfriend's grandmother is like born and raised, lived in Ukraine for like sixty years. Mm-hmm. Um, and they moved into a townhouse, and uh like across the road, there was some like apartment complex, and her grandmother was like there's mexicans over there or no i think she said like there's brown people over there or something, <laughs> as like a why would you move here there's brown people across the road no, was, well oh, that's goodness.
0: that's what i liked about my grandma you know she she came over when she was really young i mean she was off the boat when she was probably like six or eight years old but yep. that's one of the last vestiges of like intra-european like intense xenophobia I've oh yeah like, like
1: yeah well it's like uh Oh, uh, it's what, uh, Nick has said in the discord that like French people hate anyone that lives like more than 20 miles from them. Yeah, exactly. It's like my, my
0: grandma was the, always, my grandma classic was
1: a Euro experience.
0: My grandma was like a Chicago Polak, So she was always like warning me about the Lithuanians and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, grandma, Dude, my, grandma, my, I live my, in Florida. My, There's no one from the Baltics there.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's, it's wild. How many like, um, uh. Well, and not even just Baltics. There's a lot of Balkan people in Chicago, like Serbians. My dad's stepfather was this big Serbian man who was like a car salesman and may or may not have been involved in organized crime. (laughs) Um, So that's my only frame of reference for Serbian Americans. um, That's
0: probably a solid frame of reference.
1: Yeah, I mean, you
0: know what? You
1: have to make money somehow.
0: Yeah. So, speaking of making money and speaking of uh, Nick talking in the Discord about uh, French xenophobia... if you want to support uh, terminus in a a fuller more turgid manner an easy way to do that is to follow us on social media you can follow me the death metal guy on facebook at terminus podcast or you can follow the now absent black metal guy on instagram at terminus extreme metal although technically you are following our very own harried intern hyper shaman who recently uh took over handling the majority of our correspondence there there was just there were too many messages we need a middleman yeah. to filter through it and. <laughs> yeah i mean i like
1: i well, like i already let uh like i i already let the black metal guy know you know a couple times like hey like this person's you know wants to tell you about some release coming up or something but yeah mostly like i'm i'm handling like you know, like the posts for the episodes, or you know, throwing some random. Like I, like immediately after that first post, I put a slam meme on the Instagram <laughs> yeah, so to like mark my territory.
0: Immediately, just tank our fucking listenership. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, you can follow us on uh, on social media at those platforms, and maybe I'll maybe I'll get a I'll get a Friendster or a Dig account in there too. Um, <laughs> is
1: Google is Google Plus still a thing? Google Plus has really been
0: gone for a long time. Oh, they see. Yeah. It's Shows what I know. It's too bad. You're not in my circle, that w- sorry. That
1: w- yeah, that was like a meme when I was
0: <laughs> in high school, as we all
1: joined Google Plus as a joke.
0: <laughs> in the waning, the the, the twilight days, the goddard damarung of fucking yeah. Google Plus. Um, oh so anyway, uh, and then if you want to take part in some of those fascinating Discord conversations uh, Hyper Shaman alluded to earlier, uh, you can subscribe to us on Patreon. $3 an up gets you access to the Terminus Prime bonus episodes, the newest of which is a multi-hour expose on Lycathia Flames' legendary Elfenifris. Uh, that is a really good episode. We're super proud of that one. And, oh, yeah, uh, f- like,
1: probably one of your best, like, top like top three terminus episodes oh
0: thanks man yeah we were really happy with how that turned out um and uh five dollars and up will get you access to the terminus black circle our private discord server where we discuss intra-european uh (laughs) ethnic competition and again various slam memes uh, so we actually, uh, surprise, surprise, the death metal guy and Hyper Shaman have an extremely death metal forward episode for you. Uh, we always try to get away with it when dad's out of the house. Uh, but for our little starter review before we get into the meat of the episode, I want to bring up a record that I stumbled across completely randomly. Uh, so I saw this record came out uh, a couple weeks ago just as like a newly released record thing on Metal Archives. And the title of it interested me, so I decided to check it out, and I was pretty impressed. So I want to talk about Demagogues' Yawning Expanse Yearning, which is out on CD through Bent Window Records, which I don't know anything about. Might be... uh, might be the guy's own imprint and then digitally uh, available on Bandcamp for only a dollar. So I picked it up. A dollar Canadian. Oh. So it's like ne- it's like negative money. I think you get money in your account if you buy it, actually. Um, yeah,
1: that sounds right.
0: So something I've been hearing some people talk about lately or a term of art that I'm starting to get seen thrown around is post-death metal. Have you seen people saying that lately?
1: uh yeah you know, honestly no i i mean not that i've been like like if for for maybe like the past year i haven't been as an active in places like online metal places as i used to be but uh <laughs> no i i haven't seen too much about i mean maybe maybe i've seen people throw the term around you know uh, in times past around stuff like uh Oh my god, of course when i need it the name escapes me. Oh, i mean but, i've uh, seen it. I've seen ulcerate, it used... stuff like ulcerate or like some death stuff. I've seen people kind of reach at the term, though i wouldn't i wouldn't really call that necessarily post black metal or post death metal.
0: Yeah. I mean it's definitely it's definitely kind of a people are trying to make it a thing and uh, yeah. I I am, of course, as a traditional reactionary metalhead, not super into it. But certain stuff as of late has been making me consider whether it might be a valid idea. And this demagogue record really kind of pushes toward territory where that might make sense as a descriptor. So I guess okay. the, the easiest way to describe this is... Um, this follows actually pretty closely in the footsteps of something like Astral Tomb. Um, the record that they released earlier this year is still one of my favorites of the year, and I think it's a huge step forward for sort of like dissonant or weird death metal. Um, and there's also um, there's a, there's a lot of portal on this. There's touches of sort of orthodox ideas just through the sort of like odd dissonant arpeggiated sections. Um, and a little bit of that ad nauseum record from last year, just in like the very deliberately considered weirdness of the whole thing. But I guess what excites me the most is the fact that a lot of this is like Astral Tomb built out of like brutal death metal materials. Um, so with that in mind, let's listen to a track, <laughs> the opening of a track called Globular Forms Emanating Twixt the Lips of Space. Um And I'm wondering what this guy's listening to, because I can hear, like, gravitational distortion or cuff or dripping, you know, some of the classic, like, weirdo, spacey, brutal death stuff. But Mm -hmm. let's give it a shot, and uh, I want to know what you think of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, any, any you know, ref, just saying anything like it sounds like that astral tomb, I mean, I'm already excited. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I guess uh, when I first approached this record, I was expecting something a little bit more, yeah, more conventionally diso-death. But um, as soon as that track started, and I just heard the like lattice work of like cephalotripsy <laughs> off-time slams, I was I, like, okay, here we go.
1: <laughs> no, I was I was literally going to enter insane. Like, okay, so it's a lattice work of slams, but I'm in space. <laughs> yeah, it basically is. But um, I can't. I don't. I don't know how to pinpoint what like how how it sounds spacey it just does I don't I don't maybe it's the <clears throat> whatever specific like melodic choices they're using but it definitely does sound spacey
0: yeah and what's interesting is like the immediate comparison is astral tomb but apparently this record was recorded you know throughout 2021 and 2022 so I, this can't be like astral tomb can't be a direct influence here so there's something in the water that a lot of people are like approaching these ideas at the same time um and i think that it's really cool i think the idea of folding some of these super dissonant ideas into sort of slam frameworks is a really interesting idea because you know slam tends to be highly chromatic, but it doesn't tend to like pick and choose particularly weird intervals. You know, yeah, what it's I mean? just
1: kind of going up and down the neck.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, is there is there potential, I guess, to refine that into a whole vocabulary of its own?
1: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I see this as very uh connected to like what we're going to be talking about with anal stab wound and what people have talked about with defeated sanity and just generally i mean once maybe this is just my my like my own bias towards hearing this stuff and a lot of things but it it feels strangely jazzy
2: Mm -hmm. just
1: just the the way the dissonance is used reminds me of some of the weirder avant-garde jazz i've heard
0: yeah no which is definitely i mean the astral tomb record feels a lot oh, yeah. like that too you've got these sure. weird jazz
1: impulses and like almost like zappa isms that are in there yeah no for sure the zappa isms <laughs> i think it's it's i think it's a lot of people finally approaching that and not necessarily consciously being like oh i'm gonna write a jazzy death metal song no i think it's people wanting that kind of groove and rhythm that that good feeling rhythm and the dynamic the the dynamicism of it but wanting to still have a very powerful and kind of you know quote unquote metal way of doing it well it's it's a lot of bands approach jazz and it it's it's a little too kenny g
0: well it's it's kind of like they're they're learning to trust the timbre of the music more. It's like oh, you, yeah. You don't need to like do wall to wall blast beats like new standard elite style. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love that, but it's like the timbre of this music is very extreme. Like you can mm-hmm. drop a lot of stuff into this and it will still feel very extreme. Like you, you might not need to like <clears throat> you you might not need to like interfere with it structurally to the point where it becomes a river of blast beats. Maybe these ideas just plugged into these guitar tones and this vocal performance is enough for it to be
1: very brutal on itself. Well, no, absolutely. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's to that idea of death metal being primarily a rhythmic music more than melodic music in mm-hmm. a lot of ways that what ge- what makes this cool is not just you know okay yeah it's dissonant a lot of death metal death metal it, by default works a lot with dissonance or at least well i mean if you're not counting like you know melodic death metal stuff but even them have used a lot of dissonance uh you know so yeah that's a given so how do we make it more powerful well a lot of brutal death metal figured that out with uh crazy rhythm stuff
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know. and speaking of which, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that that goes well into my next sample, um, which is just the idea of like so. So this passage I'm going to play off a song called Extrinsic is a, a little bit closer to what we would call conventional diso death. I, mm-hmm. I love that we're so many we so many layers down the rabbit hole that this sub 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 style can now be executed in a conventional way. You know, <laughs> it's um. <laughs> But well, I, I, they added it to rate your music so it must Oh there be a real now genre it's been legitimized. Now, now yeah, we, it's a real genre now. Now we have to react against it and yeah, do and extremely melodic stuff. And I
1: can't because I'm still banned.
0: <laughs> we got to get you a VPN, buddy. I'll get a NordVPN yeah, sponsorship yeah, right. and we'll talk about how you can So I those. can
1: so I can be mean to people on Rate Your
0: Music. I mean is there is there
1: is there any is there any other right way to use? it? Is
0: there any greater purpose that a man can have? But <laughs> so so I want to go to extrinsic, um, and I want to talk about timbre a little bit more because like what you're going to hear is a lot of like melodic ideas and techniques that do sound very like typical for diso death. But you'll what you'll notice is like they're not drowned in reverb and delay. Like there's a sharpness and an attack to these melodies that you don't typically hear where. In other bands, they're just used as sort of an atmospheric background to wash. They don't really have meaning themselves. Yeah. Here, a, a lot
1: of a lot of bands will like to, you know, lean on lean on the effects really hard to be like, oh get it, it's space, it's it's psychedelic or something.
0: Yeah. Here's what <laughs> happens when we, we take those techniques, we apply it to the rhythmic impulse of like death metal as it is, truly. And we let the listener actually hone in on what those sort of standard melodic ideas actually mean.
1: It's like super clear, and it, most other bands would take that and drown it in like reverb, echo, maybe even a cheeky flanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, I'm, I, I much prefer it that way. You can yeah. actually hear what's happening.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because like it 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 means that these are not just sort of arbitrarily selected chords you know, that they're going to arpeggiate, but it's like they do have meaning. And you start to realize just how long and convoluted individual passages of this music actually is. Um, Because, like, getting back to the the one of that whole melodic riff takes fucking forever. It's this very elaborate suite of sort of melodic fragments. Um, And I really like how contorted those ideas get when you start applying them across the surface of sort of a modern brutal death sense of rhythm with those like weird abrupt fills and rhythmic changes that are coming at the ends of phrases really kind of recontextualizes the whole idea of these familiar sort of melodic fragments
1: yeah well it's it's and i mean maybe maybe this is what i'm seeing in the 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 lineup for this evening but it's a lo- kind of the theme is uh intention like super intentional songwriting um turns out if you actually pay attention to where things are placed you can make it sound cool
0: hey it's kari from sepulcher curse and i'm yak you're listening to Terminals. Alright, we are back uh, talking about our uh, first full review of the night, and uh, this one came as a little bit of a surprise to me because I didn't know these guys were coming out with a new one, uh, but I was very enthusiastic. Uh, this is an old favorite of mine, and this is Imprecation with their new record In Nomine Diaboli out on Dark Descent. I'm sure that I pronounced the Latin incorrectly. Feel free, all you black metal guys, to jump right in and tell me how it's actually supposed to go.
1: Well, they don't um, speak Latin. I mean,
0: yeah, but they pretend to. Oh, yeah, um, okay. They, well,
1: okay. Well, let's see if they can pronounce medical terms as well as you. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna, I'm, yeah, this tattoo, all these runes, it says dicks out for Harambe. Uh, <laughs> in the Elder Futhark. Um, so for those of you who don't know, like, Imprecation's in kind of a weird spot in terms of like who knows about them. Because uh, Imprecation is a band that has existed sort of like Profanatica in two phases. So Imprecation was out in the early 90s, and they did a run of demo tapes and I think like a 7-inch EP or something uh, of just really gnarly old-school death metal that nowadays people would probably call like Black Death. Like, you think that's how people would
1: think of it? Yeah, I mean, maybe... People will call anything Black Death, and everyone has their own version of what Black Death is.
0: Yeah, well, I guess in the in the standard of like people calling Profanatica like Black Death, I think a Profanatica is a death metal band, but you know. Yeah, no,
1: the... I could see that just based on like the uh, the the melodicisms used and the like, the, just the blasting segments. People could be like, "Who's." Yeah, yeah, so it's it's blasting and tremolo, so, you know. So, yeah, it's black metal, right? Death Metal never had blast beats or tremolo riffs. Um, not, you know, Bla- Death Metal didn't, like, invent you know, <laughs> you know, the, the blasting with the tremolo riff. Um,
0: so, anyway, yeah, so they released those tapes back in the early 90s, and it all came together on a compilation called Theurgia Goedia Sama, uh, which is, like, got pretty well known. And that was my first encounter mm-hmm. with the band back in the so, day was that comp, which is fucking phenomenal. Everybody should listen to that.
1: Um, oh, yeah. and, then,
0: and then and then, Imprecation broke up for a bunch of years and got back together in the late 2000s and only then started releasing full-length records. Um, so the lineup's a little bit weird. Uh, at this point, it's only Dave, the vocalist, who's an original member, but the rest of the band is filled out with guys with a ton of history in the Texas scene. And uh, more remarkably, they haven't lost a step. Uh, they did their first full-length coming back from the dead in 2013 called uh, Satanae Tenebris Infinita, um, which was phenomenal. So was Domnario ad Bestias. Uh, and now we've got In Nominate Diaboli. So uh, trying to describe imprecation sound is kind of tricky because on one hand, you have this, like, authentic, kind of scratchy, blasphemous, old-school death metal sound, heavily influenced by, like, Morbid Angel, Old Incantation, you know, the sort of usual suspects you would have for that. But also there's this big hit of, like, TXDM, which is, like, not a term that people really think of anymore, this sort of groove-oriented style of Texas death metal that's kind of comparable to a lot of New York death metal. Um, and that has always permeated their sound. Of you would have these, you know, blistering passages of sort of like Altars of Madness era Morbid Angel or early Provenonica like blasting and tremolo riffing, uh, dissolving into these really heavy, brutish sort of groove passages. Kind of ahead of their time in a way. Um, and that all comes together phenomenally well on this new record. But uh, Hyper Shaman. Uh, we were talking before we got on you say that imprecation was something you picked up a little bit later, but apparently you've been a fan for a while too. So what, what are your initial impressions of this?
1: One? Yeah. I mean, this was something like when I was first, uh, like just scouring for any and all, uh, lesser known death metal from like the nineties. Um, I, yeah, I picked up on that compilation really, really enjoyed it, but like, I don't think I like got it, like got why it was special until more recently. Um, going back and going like, wow, this is actually, you know, way better than a lot of the other stuff that tries to do it like this. And I mean, I guess I didn't, I didn't even think of Texas, you know, with them. I didn't even know they were from Texas actually until like now I didn't, I don't know why I never bothered to look. I always, uh, kind of trace their lineage more to like New York, which I guess has a lot in common. Cause I thought of it, things like, uh, Baphomet, Baphomet and banished or like Morpheus descends, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe like Rat is that no Rat was Pennsylvania. Close yeah, they were,
0: enough. Pennsylvania was part of the whole extent. Yeah, New, New,
1: York, New York, York metropolitan area.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so,
1: so you take
0: a, you take a census of yeah. death metal bands, the Pennsylvania ones count for New York citizens. Yeah, so. but
1: um there there was like a period of time when I was just super into any like uh like mid-tempo 90s death metal stuff that was a lot more ch- uh chuggy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of fell in there, but yeah, with a lot more tremolo than you might expect stuff. So I guess that kind of comes more from like uh, um, incantation, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, the, to me, li- listening to this newest album, the, I've been really dissatisfied, um, maybe even a little offended by <laughs> just the quality of a lot of like quote unquote osdm that comes out i mean with a lot of the main offenders being bands coming from this label dark descent or uh 20 bucks spin where they just like have what i what i've seen other people online uh use this term and i like to use it too is the non-riff <laughs> it's kind of you're 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 playing no you're just kind of playing notes and it kind of and it it it's like okay well we're just gonna like do a death metal riff and you just kind of like throw some notes together without like really thinking about like what is is it like the movement up and down is it expressing anything yeah yeah are is their intention um and i mean like bands like i wrote in the notes bands that come to mind right away are like necrot or Tomb mold for me um I've noticed a lot of that they're just uh, like playing, the last
0: they're playing in death metal minor. They're just playing in the scale, Yeah, They're, they're just, they're
1: playing what they think death metal is. And like, I, you know, like, especially uh, there was whatever the newest Necro record, like I went to listen to it. I'm like this, I'm just like incredibly, this is like draining how boring this is. To me. <laughs> um, and then I, and then I'm listening to this and I'm like, okay, we have some of the same ideas. We're doing like, like mid tempo chugs, slower doomier stuff and and blasts we're kind of having that full spectrum of uh tempo but the riffs have power because they have direction and intention and like you know this is this is like the color theory of death metal intervals
0: yeah where
1: you're they're placing them next to each other in ways that make the riff set. i mean people music people musicians comp uh composers have been working you know on ideas of phrases how to start a phrase end a phrase things to put in the middle i mean the riff is the phrase of bla- of metal mm-hmm. it's it's just musical phrasing and there are things there are ways to write a phrase that sound satisfying to the ear there's ways to do them where it just sounds like nothing there's ways to end it with with dissonance or consonants to to pull it into the next phrase or to end the sequence of phrases and like that i mean yeah okay oh music theory a bunch of you know college nerds You know, this <laughs> is metal okay but you still have to think about that stuff because sound sound is objective you know the way musical notes sound next to each other on top of each other in harmony or next to each other in melody it's it's objective it doesn't it's not making an argument it just is so like you still have to pay attention to that stuff you know you don't have to go take a music theory class but you should still listen to what you're writing and be like huh is this satisfying Mm -hmm. and and i think these guys are
0: and whether you know it or not that stuff's always operating in the background. You've grown yeah, up cuz it you've, has to. Yeah, you you've grown up around all these sounds your whole life. You've internalized them without even realizing
1: it. Yeah, so. I mean there there is a like musical language to every culture that we speak whether we know it or not.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Unless
1: you're completely tone deaf and I do know someone who is. So <laughs> It must be a fascinating world they live yeah, in. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, the the most interesting music to him is stuff that's like lyrically interesting, which makes sense.
0: Yeah, I gotcha.
1: But anyways, I digress.
0: So, uh, yeah. No, what you're getting at is the the fact that what makes this record great is what makes it extremely hard to review. Is that these guys just have an inherent sense of like traditional death metal riffcraft that is sort of beyond description. I mean, short they of ju- yeah, they yeah, just she- get it. Yeah, short of breaking out the tabs and really trying to dig into every (laughs) intervalic choice here, it's really hard to describe what makes this better than basically every contemporary in
1: this game. Well, that's what you would have to do. You'd have to go in, look at, like, some of the more popular, like, old-school-style death metal albums from, like, the past five years. You'd have to to literally have, like, almost sheet music of, like, this is imprecation, this is etc. bands and and like look at it like then I you know I I had my stint in music theory I failed that class because I didn't show up so (laughs) um so we're not gonna do that well I do think that I've got a couple
0: ideas for what at least makes these guys so distinct as far as what makes the riffs so vital I'll try but I think a lot of this has to do with like we always say, being originary, picking up on threads of old school death metal that were kind of lost over the years and running with them as though nothing had happened. So with that in mind, I want to go to the opening of a track called Devil's Furnace and listen to, especially in the first half of this sample, the crazy sort of rhythmic interplay and stop start stuff that's going on. That at first you think is like too complicated for old school death metal. But if you go back and you listen, this is how a lot of it sounded back in 93. of the 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 sort of convoluted opening to that track that just keeps kicking off in different directions until it settles into that sort of like war metal hammer blasting part where the mm-hmm. vocals really kick in and the thing is there's like a full tempo shift at that moment it's it's not a you know a cut time or double time fake out there's a a full tempo adjustment that occurs in that moment um So between that and the kind of weird rhythmic redirection stuff early on, you think of those as, like, modern techniques. But if you're sincerely listening to sort of, like, weirder, like, B and C tier death metal from the early 90s, like, if you're listening to the Resurrection album or something, you know, Embalmed Existence, you'll hear stuff like that.
1: Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, like, the platonic ideal of, like, all that, yeah, like, C tier stuff that that I like, like... Weird stuff like Morgoth or uh, yeah. Brutality. Just yeah, and, like weird, and like to clarify, band, we, mean, people don't... Yeah, we mean C-tier in terms of popularity, not in terms of quality, obviously. Oh, yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of that stuff, I mean, I, I'd listen to, here, let's find a, let's find a weird one here. Uh, I'd listen to Infected Virulence, be, you know, more than I listen to, like, uh, uh see, I can't even remember the name of the band. I don't, I don't care about it that much. Uh, it's one of you, it's uh, from your, you know, one of those ones people care about by you, obituary. Oh yeah, yeah. Nobody listens to obituary. Only yeah, Pan- that one.
0: Only Pantera fans listen to obituary anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm a Pantera fan, and I don't even listen to obituary. Yeah, right. um, so, so I guess what I really like here is the idea that these guys are accessing the the current. I mean, we've, we, I'm beating a dead horse here, but it's like the current wave of, like, OSDM revivalism is so fucking reductive. And OSDM as a, is a term that now means, like, sweet death plus obituary or maybe autopsy or something. Everything is mm-hmm. blocky. Everything is 4-4. Four, four, everything is based off of some idea of groove with the occasional blast and trem passage to remind you that you're listening to a death metal band. It has, it has, you know, a 20th of the breadth of what old school death metal actually offered. Imprecation are a band who were there for it,
1: you know, who who were informed by that stuff. (laughs) These people, they want to play, they want to play death metal. And to them, death metal is a very specific cross section of the sound that it's like, it's like the cultural meme right now of death metal. Is only encompasses like a quarter of the entire spectrum.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh and the other thing that's interesting is that like this song and really all the songs are structurally kind of convoluted and interesting, but really like riff to riff, this is very simple music, and that's a combination. Yeah, it, it,
1: that, yeah like it, it doesn't it doesn't leap a lot. Like it 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 purposely. Um, has like a small amount of physical room that these notes are in like he's not the the guitarist is not jumping up and down the scale
0: yes it's it's very um deliberately constricted uh, and so all the the excitement that really occurs is a matter of like these abrupt transitions and their ability mm-hmm. to kind of like spin out into a different idea very rapidly it's like these are guys who have absorbed modern death metal technique but are applying it to the limitations that old school death metal had which is sort of why one thing that i really like about this record and this song in particular is that it always operates sort of at this like no man's land tempo it's always like a low mid or a mid fast it's like yeah i love that Especially the fastest stuff tends to be like it's a little bit too slow for a blast beat, but it's a little bit too fast for a thrash beat. So you've got this this sort of uneasy realm of tempos that it exists in, which is where a lot of old school death metal lived because we just weren't that fucking
1: fast back then. You know, yeah, it was well, yeah, guys. it was that that weird mid tempo. I mean, I there was a period of time where I was eating up any little weirdo band from from U.S. and Europe that was like living in that zone. <laughs> like uh, what well, was on and this was a band they actually just released something to like Viogression from my neck oh yeah 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 you like and they them. just released a new album it's pretty good i like it <laughs> you know it's it's cool to see like imprecation these old bands being like okay like they still have it
0: yeah and, they, and they're sticking with it they're not attempting to update
1: no. in in some obvious way because yeah. they know what they like they know what they yeah. want to play and it's and that what they want to play is death metal exactly so what uh what have you got yeah so as like i was saying earlier you know like with the the tempos they uh i mean basically they're just showing at any tempo they go they keep the riffs uh what i like to say non spaghetti <laughs> so they're not like all over the place. They're keeping the riffs tight. They're keeping the riffs like they have a logic to it. Um, but still keeping the uh the rhythmic dynamicism too. So I thought a good cross section of this is ours Goisha, uh, the third song. I mean, they're like they keep it simple, they keep it super simple. The they pretty much repeat like one or two riffs, mostly just like one riff for like each tempo there, mm-hmm. but it's like very powerful. And I think also what helps with that is this drummer. I was just about to look him up, I really like this drummer. Well, like, unfortunately, way... he
0: passed away last year, apparently.
1: Oh, Jesus!
0: Yeah, I guess he uh he recorded this with him and uh passed away but uh i guess they were able to uh, keep his drum tracks man yeah i mean
1: yeah wow that's that really sucks yeah
0: no but uh yeah his performance is pretty outstanding on this like no like like,
1: just the way like i feel uh, you know just to go back to you know nowadays old school death metal uh, a lot of the drummers tend to act Fairly passively, they 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 kind of stick in a lot of holding patterns. Mm-hmm. This guy, he accents, he interplays. He is like he's essentially acting like doing the rhythms of a second guitarist for this guitarist. Yeah, the, I mean, I uh, think they have two, but
0: a lot of a lot of modern death metal, the drums feel sort of reactive, you know. Yeah. It's like this is much more engaged with the music around it than a yeah, lot the, of modern stuff. This song.
1: guy's going right alongside. Yeah. He is playing with this guitarist.
0: And this also this might be a little bit left field but something I'm starting to hear now is like the influence I think of sort of like proto death grind stuff like uh for some reason like listening to some of those riffs like Impetigo jumped out to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe like that last riff at the end where there's like...
0: Yeah, those, those yeah, primitive sort that. of like circular riffs, those like fragmentary ones. That's a super yeah, like Impatigo of. thing. Because another thing I was like thinking of... Like that churn. Yeah, that, that constant like that, that weird like cement mixer thing that all those bands... <laughs> yeah, do. totally. No, and, I could see that. And another th- thing I was thinking of that might be a big influence here is Infester. Just more in terms yeah. of just like the mood, the usage of keyboards periodically, uh, some of the weird rhythmic ideas and like the, the kind of doom inflection at certain parts. I could see that being a big yeah, it's one. It's
1: like th- thick and infernal.
0: Yeah. And then you've also yeah. got the relation to the grindy stuff because the Infestor guys are related to the meat shits. Uh, you know, interesting cross section of ideas here.
1: Yeah. No, I I totally hear the Infestor stuff.
0: Yeah. So, I want to play a song. We're going to play the whole thing because it's pretty short. Like, most of the songs on this record are very compact. Like, there's a lot of just like two, three minute songs in and out, not a ton of time needed to expand on these ideas. But here's where I want to get into the 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 specifically Texan quality of this stuff um which you identified as like NYDM and you're not really wrong because like there is such a close relationship between those ideas yeah
1: it's just so like the the beefier kind of gro- beefier groovier stuff i mean in my, in my younger years i kind of thought of it almost like oh it's like kind of uh, more hardcore related, but I don't, I, that was,
0: well, I think that's, that I was, think that's very true in the case of like the New York bands, you know, it's, it's for clear, sure. Yeah. It's clear that internal bleeding and stuff, we're, we're listening to tons of hardcore in Texas. I think it mostly just comes internally from death metal. Cause oh, I mean, yeah, there wasn't it's just a
1: Texas thing.
0: Yeah, there wasn't this like super prime. Of course, there were hardcore bands in Texas, but it wasn't nearly as prominent as it know, wasn't
1: like New a big England. scene. Yeah, yeah. And it did. And if it was, it didn't. Like New York hardcore. When you say that to people who know, like they think of a certain sound.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I want to go to forward the Spears, where we're going to hear just like. A, a a a riff <laughs> a verse riff that is just such a giant bulldozer groove riff you almost think well dude this has to be a modern thing but no dude go back to like early mid 90s Texas death metal you're going to hear this shit all over the place
1: mm-hmm.
3: And the film of Jesus Christ The potential be dumb If it was a of only been, the devil's fear If
0: Dude, that 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 fucking verse riff. Oh, dude. No, yeah,
1: that's like that's the kind of chug that I look for. I mean, I almost even with that hear some like Midwest stuff, like Jungle Rod or Mortis Skull.
0: Oh yeah, well, that would definitely be a connection. Is like I definitely like the uh, the Chicago, Ohio guys. There was a pipeline between them and Texas, so. I could definitely see a lot of those influences coming yeah. through. But if you listen to if you listen to stuff like Prophecy or like a uh, ton, you know, like classic Texas death metal, you're going to hear a ton of riffs like that. Um, oh, yeah.
1: And and, I mean, even you have like modern dudes bringing stuff like that, like 200 stab wounds. Like, yeah. that's it's kind of their wheelhouse. Yeah,
0: just the riff. idea of like, oh, well, what if we actually had mosh riffs in death metal again? <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, again. No, and that's the key word is again. Like they were there like, like people, yeah, well we I don't we want people it, acting, you know?
0: yeah, like come on, well, yeah, it was like it was territory ceded to hardcore for no
1: reason whatsoever because I get because for so there was a period of time where like the most moshable stuff was attributed to like maybe slam and slam was a dirty word that people turned their noses up at. Yeah, well, and not it's that also, we want those people listening to slam anyway.
0: <laughs> I'm taking my, I'm taking my hammer and going home. <laughs> exactly. But uh, so, yeah. And also, uh, I really like how he bites the vocal rhythm from Morbid Angel summoning redemption. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
1: saw you mention that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so awesome. And that's another thing is like if they're like obviously there's a ton of old morbid angel on this, but there's a lot of like a lot of the groove riffs are very like gateways to annihilation, which I thought was interesting. Um this the whole vibe of this record really is like I mean, we've we've talked about this on the show, especially when it's older bands coming back. You know, a sign that they're serious about it is that One, it still sounds authentically old school. It still sounds authentically like the band. But it also sounds like they didn't stop listening to music in the intervening period, you know? Yeah. Like, this is a record that sounds like guys who are committed to their style but have been taking note of what's been going on and have, you know, really assimilated the best parts of the modern death metal that they do like and used it to further their purpose of doing this sort of like old school blasphemous style.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like I uh, I don't know, it's, it's like it, it's really enthralling to hear something like this. You know, <laughs> it's just like a reminder that this shit Yeah, it's still it's happens.
1: like it's it's life affirming just...
2: <laughs>
0: the the harsh wow. vocals provide a uh, an atmosphere yeah. of uh, pain and anguish. But... <laughs> All right, what what have you got for your
1: last one? Alright. For the last one I have a chunk of Black Communion and this was uh, um, where I definitely heard, at first I wasn't really thinking the Morbid Angel Connection, but I definitely heard it here. Um, and I would say, yeah, like Covenant or like you said, Gateways to Annihilation just by virtue of being their most like mid-tempo album.
0: Covenant I think is like the big one across oh, this yeah. record like Covenant's Covenant's riffing style is very particular it's it's sort of like the most straightforward Morbid Angel record like riff yes. to riff but there's like oh I've always loved that right that's my favorite Morbid Angel album actually um, oh I know I've always <laughs> just but they, it's just infused with such a, like a suffocating darkness that whole record and that really comes through here as well <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, and I would say it's, like, the the kind of riffing of Covenant and some more of the rhythm of, like, gateways. Yeah, that's a, that's
0: a good way to, like, put it in a nutshell.
3: <laughs> Brown, joy, artistic, death, Turn the ground of God, now i For the gods of now on the on of the second arms. my life, too many down upon the cross Turn and pretty Blood, dripped on the thought Strapled in blood, fleeting and scorn Break in the From the devastating hour Desperate, mutilate The courts of the prison peace Desowering
1: So I mean that that gives me the most morbid angel just because that kinda like the uh um the way those riffs they, they don't end the way you think you're going they're gonna end. They kind of do a little Ooh, trail off at the end, very very azectote-esque.
0: Yeah. Well and it's also just and the rhythm. Yeah, the that rhythmic figure on the that weird riff at the end, that sort of like chopped up half riff that Mm -hmm. the the drumming under that is not something anybody would do today. That is such an old school death metal kind of thing because it's like there wasn't a... Nowadays, there's a paradigm for how you drum on a riff like that. You know, it would be some like kind of like syncopated groovy double kick thing. Here, it's this bizarre sort of shuffle beat. Like an almost like thrash or crossover kind of technique, like giving the sense of like how a lot of drumming from that era is really eccentric because there just wasn't an established vocabulary for it yet.
1: Well, yeah, they're they're like it's like oh, how do I drum to this? I guess I'll just like play with the riff.
0: Yeah, and so the riff
1: is kind of doing the little skitters, so the drums gonna skitter too. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: and, and it's also, and I also like the fact that there, this is clearly like recorded live, or there's like no quantizing because whenever that riff pops up, it always takes them like one repetition to like get in sync with each other. Yeah, <laughs> Some, right. Somebody's always a little bit forward or a little bit behind the other person until they lock in on it. And that's cool. It's just, it's such a wonderfully organic thing to hear. On, on a record like this, and it's one of the defining qualities that makes old-school death metal cool, is the fact that... No, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, It's very messy. human. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but no, I definitely get what you mean by, like, the Morbid Angel comparison there. And really, it kind of, like, filters through the whole record. Um, I mean, Imprecation kind of always had that there. I would say the older Imprecation stuff is... Definitely closer to that sort of like old incantation direction.
1: Yeah, definitely like the the demo comp for sure. Yeah,
0: definitely, and like and just kind of like Ledney stuff in general. I bet they were into like the the Ledney era incantation tapes, and then they were probably into Profanautica a lot too. This is oh for sure. Like honestly, it's like there is more of an argument to call call that stuff back than Black Death than this. This is just a remarkably refined take on actual old school death metal. Um, And I think that it seems like this record has been getting like a fair amount of attention. And I really hope that people take the lessons of this album to heart. Like just that old school death metal in and of itself has so much to offer beyond what's being thrown at, you know, the average consumer these days and if you go back and you really dig into what those records actually sounded like versus what we distantly remember them sounding like, you'll get music that's way more alive and way more
1: interesting than most of what we have today. yeah, because these people, a lot of these people, their their idea of death metal is uh, like an echo.
0: yeah, it's a it's a Xerox of a Xerox that's lost all the mm-hmm. rich that's definition.
1: A- Yeah, it's a facsimile. (laughs) Or is it facsimile? Oh, goodness.
3: Some of us become surgeons and cut flesh to heal the human carcass back to life.
0: back uh, with our final record of the night, uh, <laughs> and we have a returning champion. This is the third time this band has appeared on the show, uh, and this is a highly anticipated one for me and probably the few weirdo listeners that uh, listen to the show for brutal death content. And this is the second full length by Anal Stab Wound titled Reality Drips Into the Mouth of Indifference out now on New Standard Elite um yeah good record yeah i mean yeah we're done
1: yeah (laughs) just play the outro um, just play the just play the album now and uh we're done
0: so for those who haven't heard the past couple reviews that we've done over the course of the show uh anal stab wound is the sort of the flagship project of Nikhil Talwalker um, who is a uh, sort of a one man project, and he plays, he does session work for tons of other bands, uh, primarily as a drummer, but this is him on all instruments and vocals. Uh, first record came out early last year. That was called The Visceral Sovereign. I believe that was on Reality Fade, uh, which was a really solid first sort of volley from the guy. Definitely different in style, a little bit more conventional brutal death metal, but definitely with indications where he would go. I'm guessing that was a really long record. I'm guessing that was a lot of sort of stored up material, all kind of making his appearance, making its appearance at the same time. Uh, Then uh, after that, earlier this year was, uh, no, excuse me, late last year was "Abstraction Bathes in Sunlight." which was an EP kind of previewing the new direction of the band. And then reality drips into the mouth of indifference. Today's record is basically the flagship, like announcing, okay, this is what anal stab wound is going to be doing from here out. I think we can probably assume this is the direction he's going to carry on in. And that direction is, um, fucking insane and really brilliant and masterful. Uh, For those of you who don't know, one of the uh, big deals about this project and Nikhil in general is that he is, uh, at the time of this recording, he is 17. Uh, I believe the very first Anal Stab Wound record came out when he was just about to turn 16. So he's an extremely young and remarkably talented guy. But to describe him as just, you know, talented is sort of reductive. The the super hot, blistering take I have that I don't think should even be a hot take is that Nikhil is probably going to be one of the most important death metal musicians um of the next ten years and possibly in the history of the genre.
1: Yeah, I mean, he I don't I don't think anyone has gotten it like he gets it.
0: I don't think there's anybody who shows so much development between releases and really just uh, at a, on a purely technical level there's probably less than 20 people in death metal that are competing with him on any given instrument and probably nobody that competes with him on all of them at
1: once no yeah i mean it's it's pure it's an amazing aptitude Like, it's like, it's like he was made in the lab (laughs) to be a death metal musician. Like, I, I, there's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've, as I've grown over, I tried to stay away from the idea of, like, celebrity worship and, like, looking up to to You know figures, but I mean, like I, th- like I res- I never thought I'd be sitting here, seeing, saying that one of the people I respect most in music is a teenager.
0: <laughs> um, and I do. I
1: I respect him a ton. Like this is, yeah. Nikhil is uh, our collective
0: son, and we will die to protect him. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, protect Nikhil at all costs. At all
0: costs. We are all proud of you, Nikhil. He is never allowed to find out about girls. Like he can, <laughs> he oh, he's going to live a life of death metal monkhood in the mountains yeah. somewhere. Okay, so so reality drips into the mouth of indifference. Uh, so the the style of this record was kind of announced by the previous EP, um, but now we've moved fully into the territory that Anal Stab Wound is probably going to pursue for the future. Um, the primary influence. Um, by far on this, is going to be the last couple records by Defeated Sanity, who um, we were talking about a bit uh, before the episode, should be understood to be in the pantheon of like death metal classics at this point. Uh, Defeated Defeated Sanity are just one of the most important death metal bands, full stop. Um, Nikhil is taking that idea of extremely deeply jazz-informed brutal death metal and is sprinting down the fucking road with it. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a record as, like, sort of mind-bending and challenging as this one is, which is interesting because it's also remarkably listenable for just how complicated it is.
1: Yeah, this, like, on for how complicated it was, yeah. This was, I went into this, just from uh, a couple of the like um like samples from before it was released um, thinking like oh this you know this is going to be a real thinker real you know sitting down chin chin planted <laughs> on fist um but like I, I the first time i listened to this it was like on a pleasant fall drive yeah like, i was like oh wow like i don't like it's it's brilliant and complicated and convoluted yet like i know exactly what's going on at any given time and this is someone who you know as i said despite my my love of brutal death metal there are some times where i'm listening to an album and i'm like god i wish i could parse what's happening
0: yeah there's just there's too much
1: but Um, like this like i i can i can mentally separate the individual instruments like as i listen to it which is why like that that like doesn't happen for me with brutal death metal where I can like focus in on individual instruments.
0: There is a real premium placed here on clarity of form and Mm -hmm. distinct movements in these songs. Um, Moment to moment, this is radically complex music, but the way it's organized with certain melodic motifs and uh, just certain techniques insofar as rests go, like... Movements in this music are very clearly signposted in a way that you don't typically see in brutal death. Um, This is not intended to be a totally overwhelming, brain melting experience. Nikila wants you to be able to follow these songs and to remember them.
1: Well, it's it's composed music. It's like going back to what I when I was kind of I had like a little mini rant about intervals and phrasing, like this is com- this is music that is intentionally composed and it is phrased out and those phrases are constructed in an, like a logical but artistic way you know this is this is listenable like you know jazz or classical is listenable and not to say to put it in that way of like oh it's you know high minded like it's still incredibly it has incredible power and brutality mm-hmm. while still being like actually written like you know like almost, music <laughs> uh, I don't, yeah i i was gonna say academic composition but i don't like that word well uh, like like a, composed music i don't know what else to say than just like actual composed music
0: well yeah it's it's sort of like we've basically got the the technical skill and the density of something like defeated sanity's the sanguinary impetus but constructed almost more like uh like 70s prog rock you know in that it's designed yeah. to be absorbed as a series of very distinct movements you know it's like sanguinary impetus incredible record i couldn't hum a single fucking melody off that
1: thing. oh yeah no there, there's stuff <laughs> once again i yeah i love it to death but there are parts where i'm like oh okay wait where so where'd the guitar okay there's the bass Okay, wait, oh, what's the guitar doing? Oh, man, what's happening? Yeah, I like it's, it's groove, very dull. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's
0: supposed to be kind of unlistenable, whereas this... Oh, it's is... like a blood clot. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's just it's that's, a fucking that's the, that's the
0: impetus. It's the blood clot. <laughs> so, um, so with all this being said about listenability, let me just play an early track uh, for some of the the gnarliest and most unlistenable stuff, but you'll see it's still pretty organized. We're going to listen to a whole song called Imprisoned in the Multi-Womb, and uh, this is one of the tracks that uh, Nikhil has uh, provided a full playthrough of on, I believe, all instruments, or maybe maybe it's just guitar. I'll have to go back. But after I saw this, I believe that I told him that I'm not his friend anymore because it made me too sad (laughs) to realize how bad I am at everything that I do. So let's just... Let's just listen to this track and we'll have fun.
1: Man, everyone sell your guitars now and your drum sets. It's over.
0: I'm not usually the guy that's like, oh man, this guy's so much better than me. I want to quit. But when Nikhil plays like, I kind of feel that way. <laughs> I'm
1: just when like, it's like,
0: <laughs> God, the way that, and it's like the this isn't even this the is, kind of thing I want to do on guitar, but I'm still <clears throat> mad. <you> know? <laughs> yeah, and I mean,
1: this is like. This this music makes it, it, it doesn't like make you wanna move, it like makes your body move. Yeah, like, that's this one has thing such I, a rhythm to it.
0: That's one thing I was gonna say is like the crazy thing is like for all the insane technical flourishes, that song, that little two-minute song, is dominated by just a giant mosh
1: riff. Well, it's, dun, 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 and that's know. like and, and I'll get into this more later, like as as someone who as uh, like a, I mean I guess I haven't touched the stuff in a long time, but as a former jazz musician, <laughs> I, you. I, a, I
0: haven't touched the stuff in a lot. I've been clean for a while.
1: <laughs> <laughs> as a former jazz musician, someone by just by virtue of of what I what I did for school, spent a lot a lot of time around jazz musicians. The the best jazz is. R- primarily a rhythmic music like the melody is important but what's even more important is how that melody is moving and that a lot like brutal death metal sometimes it's more important about the direction of that melody than the melody itself and it makes you move like it's hard to not like groove with it Mm -hmm. and like stuff like defeated sanity and now anal stab wound with this it like makes you it makes your body move it compels you yeah, to be it's moved by the music.
0: It, that's that's the important thing is like a lot of highly technical brutal death metal really kind of loses. It's like visceral physicality. This oh, doesn't
1: it, it gets robotic.
0: Yeah. You know even. Oh, God. Oh, no, no. You you go ahead. But I, it's just that idea of like uh, the mechanical process. That's like its own kind of wing of brutal death.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the idea like, of the highly
0: mechanical shit versus this, which is so feel based.
1: Yeah. And I mean, and it's not even just the brutal death, like a a lot of like tech death bands that may openly say that like, oh, we we listen to a lot of jazz or we're into jazz or we're like jazzy tech death. They they don't get it.
0: No, they don't. They they really don't. And because I think in a lot of cases they're choosing the wrong jazz. No, exactly.
2: And I think I think Um,
0: that you've tapped. I mean, in your notes, you tapped into a bunch of stuff that's like. The, the brutal death metal, jazz for brutal death metal, the jazz that should be employed, you agree and I agree and most people seem to agree, is basically like Peter Bratzman front and center.
1: Yeah, it's like it, it's like Euro-free jazz. The very, very physical, visceral... and I mean, not even just Euro, like stuff like I've always been a huge fan of Charles Mingus. Charles oh, yeah. Mingus loves his rhythms. And as I think you've said on the show before, like that's the Metalheads jazz guy. Oh,
0: yeah. No, I, re- I remember I was talking at one point where... When I was getting into jazz initially and people were talking about, you know, difficult, like advanced jazz records, they were talking about like Mingus's uh, Saint and the Black Sinner Lady. No, yeah.
1: Dude, which is that...
0: an incredible record, but it was also extremely approachable as a metalhead because we're used to that sort of like grinding texture and
1: dissonance and stuff. It just makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like, no the b- stuff like the black saint the sinner lady maybe like mingus 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 that is yes it mm-hmm. is his name five times in a row um <laughs> that like period like it, it like if you listen to extreme metal like the texture the rhythm you know it already
0: yeah and it's it's very clear that Nikhil uh, knows and appreciates all that stuff, but I'm also wondering where some of the other metal stuff is coming in because it's defeated sanity is front and center. I also think it's like the self-titled Cryptopsy record, just because like certain little guitar runs he's doing have that like deliberately obnoxious atonal quality to him, just the little like transitional phrases and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if he's listening to a lot of like sort of avant hardcore stuff. But I mean, a lot of this kind of sounds like car bomb in certain moments.
1: Oh uh, yeah, the like yeah, the, I the see hyper,
0: that. the like hyper linear drumming, uh, the the very mm-hmm. weird sort of chord clusters and shit. I think it's I, I could definitely see that being something that if he's not into, he probably would be really into. Um, and it definitely sounds like something that could have an inflection on this music. But I mean ultimately just a lot of this comes down to a massive appreciation of both brutal death metal and
1: serious jazz. Yeah. And, uh, that leads to my first sample, which basically I don't even need to say the notes afterwards. I can just say, we already covered some of this. I just say literally just like imagine in your mind that instead of guitar and bass, like it's just like some, some sort of horns and this this'll literally just be a like avant-garde jazz song. This is a twitching in the clouds. Like, literally just take out, like, the, you know, a good chunk of the, like, double bass in the drums. You got yourself a Euro-free jazz song. Yeah, you
0: reduce the density a little bit, and you've got something (laughs) that is sort of purely jazzy. I was thinking, listening to that, another big thing for Nikhil has to be, like, malignancy. Because Mm -hmm. some of the techniques that he's using, like... It's weird listening to these again and sort of listening, listening past the technicality and realizing that the framework of this really is kind of like mosh music. Um, and malignancy, like th- their whole thing, is basically incredible elaborations on like NYDM mosh passages. Like if you <laughs> if you strip some of the flare off of that, you have like thuggish internal bleeding rhythms underlying all of their music. You know, and there's kind of a similar effect here of like really, um, really consciously maintaining, like we were saying earlier, that sort of physical body music aspect. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes this one of the things that makes us so distinct compared to other like ultra technical death metal
1: bands. Well, yeah, because they lose, they lose the body part. They get, I mean, what I I like to call it, they get weedly deedly. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, here, here um, the weedleys are just designed to be annoying and dissonant in the background, or like,
1: or like to, or if there's any deedleys, they're propelling that riff in in like a shape that that makes you violent.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it it's interesting how he lands on he lands on so many of the uh, ideas of sort of like spazzy but still physical. Hardcore type stuff, without actually sounding like any of it. I guess that's kind of a weird thing to say, but it's like you you get a lot of the same effect of some like really weirdo like two thousands hardcore, like the Locust or something, but approach from a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Just the uh, the 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 intense. It really is just that focus on maintaining the abstract jazziness, but never losing the core of, you know, just violent idiot music. That, like, yeah, and, I mean,
1: and I think and I think, you know, uh, obviously Defeated Sanity had that that super like literally direct lineage from European free jazz. Cause wasn't um Cause it was, a it was, it started out as that father son duo mm-hmm. and yeah. the father was literally like, I think he was like a drummer and guitarist for like multiple like ensembles, like actual yeah, that was original gang. European free jazz, like, like the kind of stuff with like Bratzman or Stanko, the, the, those kinds of, music so like yeah there's literally that lineage so I wonder so of course him being a fan of defeated sanity as we all are um
0: you know he, he gets it <laughs> as from any, that.
1: any red-blooded American should yeah be. <laughs> should be a, a fan of the greatest German brutal death metal band um he you know obviously Nick Hill's getting his jazz lineage directly from that that European vein. Um, but yeah, he still is also, I mean, go, go look at it. Please go look at his YouTube channel, like, and subscribe. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude. Like he, like he's covering so much different brutal death metal and slam. He's got slam in there too. (laughs) You know, he's, he has that appreciation for the full spectrum of brutal death metal with this jazz angle. So of course he's going to want to bring in that physicality that groove that thick body
0: yeah i and i think that's crucial i think that as as i mean because obviously more bands are going to follow in defeated sanity's footsteps and probably in like anal staboons footsteps directly after this record um oh, and i think that's going to be the most important thing to keep in mind is that if you lose the fact that this is centered on being death metal, you've lost the entire essence of the music.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you can, you can get tech, but keep your head out of your ass.
0: Yeah. And there's ways to do, there's ways to, it's
1: like, sometimes
0: <clears throat> I say on the show, it's like, there's a version of this record that sucks really bad, you know? Oh, absolutely. That, that overemphasizes the most technical parts of it versus using it in a very deliberate way to create. Elaborate sort of painterly compositions.
1: Yeah, it's well. In the, oh, damn, that's a good word, painterly, because it's definitely these riffs move in strokes. Mm-hmm. There's a very there's a forward motion to a lot of these riffs that are dipping down, dipping up. It's it's and they're swinging the music. In yeah, they're direction. oddly
0: they're oddly languid sometimes. A mm-hmm. lot of these riffs, it's like this doesn't have like that pointillistic effect that you get oh, no. from something flow. like neoplasia. Yeah, there's a real flow. There's like they, a delicacy. They... It's like it's right. it's the world's most delicate, brutal death.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> In so, the best way possible.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like without being pussed out. So let's listen to uh, one of the later tracks on this record called Prismatic Weavings of Flesh and Bone. And here's where I really yeah. want to emphasize how readable this music is. So you're going to listen to, there's going to be a ton of technical flourishes. Don't even worry about those. They're sick, but they're they're the cherry on top. Listen to how much is done with really just a, a small handful of sort of musical sections. This isn't riff-based music. This is music built out of whole compositional parts that are sort of adjusted and rearranged on the fly. And I think this song in particular indicates... Something really special, not just about Nikhil, but about the whole direction this music can go in, where you can employ all this incredibly advanced technique without losing fundamental songwriting chops in the process. dizzyingly complex but you never lose your place in the song at all
1: no it's it's like i can actually follow the 16 note runs and like remember them
0: yeah because they're (laughs) well yeah there's definitely been an effort i think on his part to not overcomplicate it um because you can you know there there's kind of a a difference between complexity and complication these are not complicated songs even though they're very complex um like there's certain there's certain reflexes, the the sense that you get off this record is that Nikhil is not really trying to be excessively technical. <clears throat> like the technicality is a natural outgrowth of the songs that he wanted to write, but he has very little concern with like deliberately
1: impressing you. You know what I mean? Um, no, he's he's trying he's trying to paint his picture. That's all he's trying to do it just requires a lot of colors,
0: some of which you're not exactly. going to be familiar well, with. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, and I mean, that's part of like real, real dedicated artistry is you don't compromise your, your idea. You don't compromise the the picture in your head. You yeah. just you use whatever tools necessary to create that vision. Yeah. And if, if that, you know, but you don't need to use more than necessary, yeah. Because as you said, it's not—he's not out here to be like, "Ooh, look how many notes I can play in in this period of time."
0: Well, there's there's de- there's like uh, one thing that I would point to as evidence of that is like there's versions of this record where every time he does one of those little dissonant fills, they would be changing up the notation like arbitrarily mm-hmm. so that it's different every time, and it's like. Oh, that means there's more content to this song and it's more technical. Whereas Nikhil is like, okay, the dissonant flourish is there to serve a purpose. It, it, it's not, you know, something you listen for on its own. It has a functional purpose. So it's fine to do it the same way every time. You don't need to do
1: like an elaborate variation of it every time. Yeah. It's, it's do you, yeah, do you, you know, do you write a comma different every time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your sentence. It's he it's a musical punctuation and why change it when it's already like it the tool is made to serve its purpose. Why are you going to change the tool every time?
0: Exactly. And you can also tell that in the way that he's using those motifs <clears throat> to signpost changes in movements. Like that that uh that harmonized riff fragment he keeps coming back to that da da, 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 da. You know, that's just a signpost that indicates that a change in movement is about to occur. Um, Oh, yeah. And it's these little things that I think even subconsciously for a person that's not really into music theory is going to hear and they're going to
1: understand the song better as a result. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a musical motif. Yeah. You know, he actually revisits musical ideas later in the song and like is referential to the song itself.
0: Yeah, and when I interviewed him, he did emphasize that that was really crucial to his songwriting process was developing those motifs. Um, yeah, and and using that's using like those. yeah,
1: and that's like real like that's like real comp, like composer shit right there. Yeah, like uh, you're not gonna see that in your average Joe brutal death metal. Well,
0: I think and... we're starting to see more of it. I, I oh think well that, yeah, I think that just over the past couple of years, like. I, you know, I think it's kind of a coincidence from doing the show or maybe I'm just like listening closer because I'm just reviewing so many records all the time. Mm -hmm. But it definitely feels like the compositional chops of like the average musician is really taking an upgrade over the past couple of years Uh, in terms of like developing songs based on this sort of motivic narrative writing um challenging some of the like assumed expectations of like how certain things are supposed to be played or arranged <clears throat> in a metal song. Um And I mean, partly it's just, you know, because we bring onto the show what we're interested in and what we think is good, but it does seem just in general that even much more straightforward bands than this are approaching things in this more naturalistic, more composed way that not quite as blocky and four by four you know mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah and i mean but even to go alongside that uh even though we're working yeah kind of in a motific narrative-esque way there's still chunks that i mean and i admit maybe this is a far reach for me um to go at when i start you know bringing up like modern classical and expressionism and serialism in music uh because that's like weird wild stuff but a lot of that was uh kind of a a rejection of like narrative songwriting in a way um and this this whole album made me start really thinking that that stuff could be equally as important to a lot of brutal death metal as like jazz I mean I could
0: definitely see that. I mean I don't think that I don't think that stuff like serialism is even necessarily as far a reach as you think just because like we we got to think about sort of uh, the development of musicians these days is grotesquely fast compared to like when I was a kid or probably when you were a kid, even, you know, the explosion of information available on the internet, um, the ability. uh, I mean, nowadays kids in two years are doing what guys in my age group took six years to learn just because they have so many resources available. And part of that is having, having access to some of these really abstract musical ideas, like, you know, 12 tone serialism was you know a a weird sort of like edgy footnote in classical composition but now i can type that into youtube and find 500 tutorials on how it works and a bunch of examples of like how you could incorporate it into like real music quote unquote
1: yeah and the kind of the whole point of a lot of expression expressionist compositions in 12 tone serialism is the rejection of tonality Mm-hmm. which we we're and, sort of already like, doing in death metal, you know. Yeah, like that that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, you especially you di- t- dissonance taken to a logical, you know, conclusion.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's totally plausible to see. I mean, I've seen Nikhil cover all kinds of like crazy jazz fusion stuff and other kinds of music. So, I I could totally see him like throwing in some like
1: 12 tone stuff as like a private joke to himself, you know. <laughs> I mean, and and here's the thing, it would sound no one would know. Yeah, it would you sound would sound absolutely at home. It's like Oscar Ortega um, is probably accidentally doing
0: 12 tone stuff all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, so then like, yeah, my last sample fracture into the infinite. And then is it Genesis? I think it's Genesis. like plural of Genesis. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, this is where, um, early song on the album. And immediately when I heard this, I was hearing these little, uh, uh, snippets. He was throwing in kind of those musical punctuations that I was like, damn. Schoenberg would have liked Slam. So it's like I I had to I was listening to that and I was like that straight yeah that straight up sounds like serial you know serial music and I uh, like some of those some of those little bits that do 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 you know like disjointed angular stuff I went I'm like I gotta double check myself I went I on YouTube looked up some just like random Schoenberg piano compositions I'm like yeah it's the same picture. <laughs> it's it's, like this This like it's that 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 disjointed uh super atonal like jumping around um like but he like you know of course he's not making his whole songs around that but he's throwing it in strategically um and then of course i didn't even intend for this but that sample totally helps uh drive home the like motific nature of the music. Cause he keeps coming back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my God.
0: Well also, I mean, there's, this is a great one of like, it, it feels like he really um sort of front loaded the record with like the wildest technical shit um, mm-hmm. between that. Cause my, my first uh, sample uh, in prison in the multi-win was the song right after this one. Um, yeah. And it's, like, some of the shit that he is pulling off. Like, if we're just going to, like, geek out about technical shit for a second. um, It's not the point of this record, but it's fucking, there's outstanding stuff. That insane, like, free time waxing and waning tempo thing that he does. I don't even know how to describe it. I think it's some, like, yep. elaborate, like, it, it, it's some sort of, like, an elaborate trick with tuplet patterns or something. But it feels mm. like there's just a tempo rise and fall all within a single riff.
1: Yeah. It well It's, and you know how you would do that. You would have written out sheet music with like tempo and uh, <clears throat> dynamic directions. Like yeah. that's the old, like that, like that's the kind of stuff that would happen in like a string quartet or something, which is like, I mean, that's because, something. Cause how do you, yeah. Oh no, go ahead. I was just saying like, I like, I, you you wouldn't see a death metal band on stage like like properly being able to pull something like that off like on a whim like no and, and it, it's like it's it's polyrhythmic but it's not quite polyrhythmic because they are kind of playing together in time but they're not in time together but it sounds right <laughs> I, I can only imagine the, the
0: sheer number of fucking takes it must have taken to pull that shit off, like, exactly right. Yeah. and But, but another thing you mentioned was dynamics, which is uh, another thing that's actually pretty important to this. There's, like, incredible subtlety, especially in the drumming, in a lot of the more open, jazzy passages. There was a, a mm-hmm. part that I forgot to mention on uh, prismatic weavings of just this, like, Broken up sort of stop start riff with this convoluted shuffle beat where Nikhil's tucking in all these little like quiet ghost notes on the snare almost in an improvisatory way. But every time they revisit it, he manages to do it the same way again. (laughs) And um, it's it's unbelievable the amount of the amount of depth in every single thing that happens across this record. Like the, the amount of consideration and the, I mean, honestly, maybe the, the thing that amazes me most about this, and this isn't necessarily about his age, but like the patience required
1: to make this music. Oh God. Like, well, yeah. Imagine the amount of failure that had to go along creating this.
0: The, the, yeah, the, the trial and error. The, this like fractal process of like plotting these songs out moment by moment. And then the even more arduous process of like having to lay it all down exactly right. Because this is the kind of music where if you're a 32nd note off, everything fucking falls apart. Uh, it's I, I, like the, the amount of dedication necessary to pull something like this off as just one guy is maybe the most admirable thing of all.
1: Well, yeah, it's like we, you know, I I mean, I know I do and I'm sure you do too. I think we, we like to think we're, you know, very dedicated to death metal and huge fans of it. But uh, maybe you'll, <laughs> I don't think anyone could be more dedicated than Nick Hill. He, he lives this.